Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by commercialagentsuccess.com. Uh, if you are idle during this kind of pause period and you're in commercial real estate sales, check out commercialagentsuccessstrategies.com. You'll love it. Well, please welcome my guest today. It's Daniel Matthews, and he's the commissioner of the U.S. General Services Administration. Uh, Daniel, thanks for joining us, sir. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to, to join you on your show. Great. And so you're at uh, an undisclosed lo uh, location. Right, so, location in a basement in Alexandria. There you go. Well, the first question I'd like to, to get to with you is uh, just basically the kind of the scope of the GSA, uh, because I've, I've heard that you guys are really the maybe the largest owner or tenant or, or real estate occupier in the U.S. How much property is under the GSA umbrella? It's a very large portfolio. We have about 375 million square feet of property and that includes both government-owned properties and privately leased properties and we're roughly equally split between the privately owned the ones we commercially lease and our government-owned facilities in terms of square footage but in terms of number of facilities we have over 8,000 leases and about um, a little over a thousand six about 1600 owned properties Probably the largest asset manager that I've spoke to today. <laughs> uh, well, what do you expect for demand moving forward? You know, especially with this COVID nineteen thing going on, and uh, do you expect an increase or a decrease in uh, GSA uh, real estate needs? Well, thank you for the question. With respect to the COVID pan pandemic, it's probably a little too early to tell, uh, but in general. Uh, the federal government, GSA, we have been reducing our footprint over the, year, over the years. If you think about it, we have about 375 million square feet. We have about 1.1 million federal employees. You do the rough math, it's over 300 square feet per person. We have room for improvements in terms of our utilization rates, and we have a long-term strategy where we're consolidating our fewer properties, fewer leases, uh, and repairing our own assets that we that fit into that long-term hold category so the, those we definitely want to invest in but there are other properties own properties you know frankly we need to be getting out of them and moving into leases i see you know and one of the things that uh, we see in the uh, real estate world obviously to reduce cost uh, occupancy costs is to do longer uh, lease terms uh, is that part of uh, of your strategy to uh, reduce cost Yes, absolutely. In, in fact, I'd really say it's, it's a key to our strategy for our lease cost avoidance plan. Our goal is to um, save $5 billion over the life of the leases that we execute in the next few years. We, half of our leased portfolio is expiring in about four years now. Uh, that's it's almost, uh, it's about 100 million square feet of commercially leased office space. And so, we're using two things, three things really, to get the best deal for the taxpayer while we meet our mission requirements of our agencies. One, we're getting the right square footage. So we're looking at utilization rates to understand how are they really using the property? What's the true demand so we can match up the proper supply? We're consolidating a lot of, of uh, individual leases into larger leases. 
and then we're going longer terms. And the longer term is really essential. Uh, we stay, our data tells us, we stay on average 26.9 years in a commercially leased property. But our average lease is a little over six years. And so we pay a premium for flexibility we almost never use. And so our strategy is to go at least 10 years firm term. Uh, ideally, 15 years, we can go all the way up to 20 years. That's where our leasing authority uh, uh, taps out on, on term. But we want to maximize that firm term so we have uh, strong competition in the private sector. And I think that longer term, it creates real value for, for building owners, investors as well. It creates a win-win situation for the industry and for the government. We're getting tremendous deals, concessions, uh, free rent. In, in fact, one of our key performance for uh, GSA is what we call our least cost relative to market. So it's the, the, the price, the rate of the deals we execute uh, in comparison to the midpoint of the market. We track that for all of our deals. Uh, historically, we come in about three to 5% below the midpoint of the market. Since we instituted this strategy, long-term, firm-term leases, focusing on our highest value leases, or our larger ones, and also we dramatically increased the use of our commercial brokers to represent the government in, our, in these transactions. In fiscal year 19, we dropped our rental, our midpoint of the market, we came in 17% below the midpoint of the market. Historically, we're three to 5% below. So it's been a very successful strategy. I think it creates significant value um, for the market, uh, which they're chasing and realizing real savings for our agencies and uh, the American taxpayer. So it's working well. Yeah, that, that, that's perfect. I, I love all that and uh, certainly makes a lot of sense to, to do the longer leases and, and get those rates down. Tell us a little bit more about the consolidating. Um, is it smaller spaces into one larger space? Is it you know, multiple buildings to one? Tell us a little more there. Yes, uh, you really you hit the nail on the head, uh, particularly in areas where, like the Washington, D.C. market area, we have a lot of leases, of course, in the D.C. area. And over the years, particularly after 9-11, lots of leases were entered into as, um, as a really timely measures given the expansion of the government going on. So we ended up with lots of smaller leases sort of scattered all over the place. And, and what we're doing now is we're rationalizing that lease portfolio, both in terms of utilization rates, overall square footage, but we're, we're moving, you know, look at our trends. We are moving towards smaller, total square footage, but we tend to raise the quality. Uh, we tend to go to a more open type of office space with greater flexibility and longer term. And so it's multiple locations, buildings into one building sometimes, and oftentimes it's, it's, it's rationalizing multiple leases within a single building and consolidating them into sort of a single master lease with a longer firm term uh, and, and hopefully a better utilization rate as, as well. Okay. And you said, you know, smaller spaces, is that more related to square footage per employee? Because if you're uh, kind of combining spaces and getting them all together, might it actually be a larger square footage lease, but, but less square footage per person? Less square footage per person, right? So, you know, we may have, just use round numbers, let's say 10,000 10, square foot leases, 
and we end up in one 80,000 square foot lease. So an overall 20% reduction in the square footage, but one lease with 10 plus years of firm term on it, as opposed to 10 smaller leases scattered around with different term lengths. Again, our average is six years. <laughs> so it's probably, uh, our standard op operating lease for the longest time was five years firm and soft term, <laughs> which I'm sure you're quite familiar with. <laughs> yes, I am. And uh, I, I sell uh, office buildings with a real focus on governmental lease buildings. And yes, I have seen that. And I think it makes a lot of sense uh, with your average uh, term in these buildings really being 26.9 years uh, for these longer leases. It's going to be uh, better for, for everyone, including uh, the taxpayer savings. So what are you guys seeing for trends as, a, as controlling as much property and as many and Employees in these spaces as you do. I'm sure you've seen some some trends related to kind of open space versus, versus uh, you know, private offices. And, and then what trends were you seeing? And do you expect those trends to adjust any uh, with this COVID-19 impact? It's a good question. I think it's something we're all thinking about in the market, but also in, in federal real estate. Uh, big picture, before I get to the pandemic part of it, I would say the trend absolutely is towards more open more flexible, more modern type of, of layouts. That has to follow modernization of the business processes and technology of the agencies. And the federal government, uh, we're, 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 for the most part, we're not on the cutting edge of modernizing the, the technology and digitizing the work processes. And that's absolutely essential. But I think coming out of this pandemic, we will see, we are seeing right now, I think uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, in the most recent supplemental, the CARES Act funding, that is going to agencies to upgrade their IT. Agencies that haven't made the investment, like GSA has over the last several years, to cut that tie to paper, to digitize our work processes and our documents and our, our work capability. At GSA, we're all digital. We pretty much don't use paper anymore. All of our employees have mobile devices. We have an IT backbone for GSA that has the bandwidth with our virtual private network that allows pretty much everyone to telework at the same time. Well, not pretty much, it does. And so in this pandemic, we do have a certain percentage of our population that has to be in facilities and, and they're there, but the vast majority of our workforce, they're like me right now. They're at home and they're connected over the internet and they're getting their work done because that investment was made. So the mobility, the, the digital workforce is really paying off in productivity. We are not seeing much of a hit to our productivity at GSA. I know that's not true across the government writ large. Uh, some agencies have still a, a strong paper-based work process. Uh, and if they're not physically there, it's, it's hard to be as productive. Um, but I think you're seeing right now a lot of money is flowing uh, to those agencies where they're buying laptops, upgrading their server capability so that they can actually increase the productivity of their workers who now largely are not in their buildings, are not in our buildings right now. And do you think that uh, could develop into a trend uh, moving forward of, of more employees uh, working from home, whether they're working for the government or, or, or private industry? I think what it will do is it will absolutely create 
I think, a demand in the workforce um, that is experiencing uh, probably a greater level of, of telework now than, if, than they had before to continue that. But I think if you're a, a, a higher level uh, agency leader, I think what you're looking at is continuity of operations, the ability to be productive and meet the mission of the agency, notwithstanding the emergency that we're in. And I don't, so in that respect, I see agencies uh, embracing the modernization of their IT backbone and their workforce so that they're able to, to be more flexible in how they work. I think that will translate into a real estate impact over time. I think it will uh, continue that trend, which was going anyways, um, to probably a smaller square footage overall, but most significantly, a greater flexibility in the workspace so that it can be configured and utilized in, in more flexible manners to meet whatever the needs are of the workforce at that time. Uh, for example, at GSA, we largely have no private offices. There's some elements, our, our legal team, for example, have private offices, but that's about it in GSA right now. Most of our workstations are not assigned. So I'll just give you one, one insight. You know, we're looking about we're looking at right now, how do we start coming back into the workplace at GSA as the pandemic uh, winds down at some point in the future? And we, we're looking at ways that we may stagger our, our, our occupancy again, right? We might bring uh, a third of our people in, divide up units into three groups so we don't have an entire group in the same place at the same time. So if somebody becomes infected, you now have to self-quarantine your entire team. Uh, we break them up into different groups. Because they're not assigned to a particular workstation, they can spread out uh, in the space and socially distance. So those are some of the things that we're looking at now. And I know that there's some companies progressing to sell dividers um, and uh, ways that uh, employees can come back and that are maybe in these open environments and have a bit of uh, protection between them. Is that something uh, you guys are, are looking at as well? I have to admit, it, that hasn't come across my desk quite yet, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think we're all looking for ways to mitigate the risk and adapt um, so that we can be productive, uh, continue to achieve the mission of whatever your agency is, and, and have the low boys. And for us right now, that largely means telework for most of our workforce. It's, it's, the, it's the easiest, safest way to do it. And uh, we're not experiencing a, a real negative impact on our workforce as a result of our productivity. Yeah. yeah, and that's great to hear. And, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how that is used really for everybody moving forward. We talked with Daniel Matthews. He's the commissioner of uh, GSA. And what kind of tips, Daniel, would you provide for GSA uh, landlords to better work with you guys? Uh, two things I'd say. So first, uh, during the, the pandemic uh, environment that we're in right now, right? obviously uh, keeping the facilities clean, when we do have suspected cases in a facility, we've got protocols that we've issued to our landlords uh, based on CDC guidance to how to adequately uh, clean a facility and, and uh, disinfect it after a potential uh, presence of a either a confirmed case or a suspected case of COVID-19, um, how we might be able to move people in and out of the facility and when you can bring them back in. So it's important that our lessors pay attention to the guidance we're sending out to them, uh, make sure that they're 
uh, following that guidance and protecting their, their workforce as well. There is guidance about the cleaning personnel as to what they need to be doing in terms of uh, cleaning up after uh, uh, suspected uh, uh, cases is in a facility. So that's the first thing I would say. But big picture, we're still in the market. Uh, we're doing our best to keep our, our projects moving. Like I said, we have uh, about 100 million square feet of leases expiring over the next five years. Uh, so we have thousands of transactions that are in progress and we're trying to keep those moving as much as we can, working with our tenant agencies. Uh, oftentimes that means we, we're doing uh, some unique uh, techniques to mitigate the in-person contact, electronic leases, uh, perhaps virtual uh, uh, tours of facilities and things like that. So please be flexible when you're working with us. And the other thing I would say is continue to sharpen your pencils, right? Our goal is to provide the real estate our agencies need at the best possible value for the taxpayer. And we're trying to do that again through that strategy of long firm term leases. We're trying to get the footprint just right with the consolidation and the utilization rates. And that means we'll be in a position to stay for a long time. Now I know that creates value for the industry and hopefully that'll attract competition and uh, a value for both sides of the, of the deal. Great, and that uh, guidance for landlords related to um, safety for the occupants uh, and, and their, uh, the management of the properties, is that uh, guidance something that uh, could be available to the general public for other uh, landlords uh, with uh, private tenants to look at? Is it on your site or anything? Actually it is, so if you go to uh, gsa.gov, there is a page on our website, and I, I think there's a link to it on the, on the first page you get, you land on, um, that takes you to uh, basically a COVID-19 GSA page. And uh, there's all sorts of guidance in there for, for our tenant agencies, but also for our landlords. And all right, perfect. Well, perfect. Well, um, Daniel, before I let you go, is there anything that might surprise people out there uh, about the GSA? Uh, yes, I'll tell you what surprised me when when I came to GSA just about three years ago was just how large and diverse GSA's real estate portfolio is. Uh, I think we all think about commercial office space, but we do a lot more than just commercial office space. That's the bulk of our inventory, about 75%. But we, we're doing leases for brand new build-a-suit medical facilities for the VA. Uh, we run construction projects for uh, a variety of agencies where we're building training centers. Um, we do FDA laboratories, DEA laboratories, FBI laboratories, uh, uh, courthouses, of course, border stations. It's a really broad portfolio. Uh, it's not just office space. There's a lot out there that we, we do. And right now we have about $7 billion under construction. So it's, it's a large portfolio. Uh, that's that's great, and it's April tenth here as we uh, speak today. Um, how is construction going as far as getting the construction people in the facilities and out of them, and and your supply uh, uh, network? It's a great question. So we've been having some pretty regular conversations with our major construction companies, understanding of, of what impact they're seeing. Uh, so in general, we are seeing some slippage on schedule because companies, construction companies, they're taking uh, the proper measures to ensure that their employees and their subcontractors are safe on sites. 
So that largely means they're sort of reducing the densification of the site. So if they may have had 100 people on a job site, they might only have 50 people on the job site now. So that absolutely is a, uh, impacting their productivity. So it's, it's adding some time to the schedule. That's probably the most immediate visible impact on our projects. There are, they do have some concerns about supply chain, depending on certain types of materials and equipment, um, but we really haven't seen an impact yet. That could be an issue in the future. We'll have to see. For the most part, our projects are underway and, and moving forward, perhaps with some schedule impacts, but they're moving forward. Uh, that varies, of course, in particular markets, New York City, some of these areas with hot spots, there are some differences. Uh, and of course, it depends on the local uh, and state public health orders as well. That is impacting construction. But for the most part, federal uh, activities, federal facilities are exempt from, from those state rules. So we're moving forward for the most part on our projects, but we're doing it in a way that we're ensuring that our personnel and contractors are safe. And then, of course, the construction companies and their subcontractors are doing the same uh, to ensure that they're, they're you know, they're not, um, they're socially distancing while on the site. Uh, some of the things they're doing, they're not sharing tools, they're bringing cleaning crews on a regular basis during the day to wipe down frequently touched sites, think about freight elevators and things like that. Um, but uh, for the most part, it's moving forward, but there are some impacts. Yeah. Well, that's great to, to hear that things are moving forward on uh, for the most part on the construction side and the, the GSA business uh, keeps keeps rolling through even if it's mobile. And, uh, and Daniel, I love what you guys are doing uh, with the decrease in, in oxygen costs with the longer leases and uh, the consolidation. Uh, sounds like things are going well. Uh, Daniel Matthews, uh, GSA Commissioner, sir, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate it. All right, and thank you for joining us uh, around the country. I uh, hope you're doing well in this uh, kind of strange corona time. Uh, stay upbeat, stay busy, stay positive. We will all uh, get through it. And uh, until the next show, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.